So we are continuing to talk about the Rabbonus of Rapillo Pyrature. Rapillo once ruled that an animal with a particular problem was kosher. And everyone who knew him was surprised. He said, he's always, this, you know, Rapillo, everyone knows he's always so strict. But why over here all of a sudden is he being so lenient on the chicken? You know, it's, it, by many Poiskim, they consider this a uh, trefa. Most Poiskim, as a, in a way, say that it's trefa. A few Poiskim say it's kosher. Why, like, why is he, doesn't, why doesn't he just say it's trefa? And the pillow said, listen, this is how he answered the people questioning him. If anyone who eats from it <coughs> wants to take me to, you know, say, oh, why I permitted it, I'm up to the challenge. I could prove that it's permitted and it's not us or... You should know, I normally would have ruled with the majority opinion that says that it's usser in this case. But the problem is that this animal would have taken me to Bezin Shomayla for not allowing him to be eaten by Yidin. And I'm not interested in having an argument in, in the Din Taito with an animal. So I just said it's kosher and that's it. One last story <coughs> about his Rabonus. A very Gishmaka story. The pillow once arrived at a town that had no mikvah. And the host that he was staying by was an extremely rich person who, sad to say, was an extremely big uh, miser, very stingy. And as much as the pillow tried to explain to him the importance of mikvah and the tremendous chus that you receive from building a mikvah, it's like the rich guy like, totally didn't hear him. And he refused to be moved by, by the begging of Rapillo. And he's, he excused himself for the night. He said, I'll go to sleep now. Good night. And he, and he goes to bed. Now, during his sleep, he had an unusual dream. He dreamt that he passed away. And the Hevra Kadisha refused to bury him unless the family paid a huge amount of money. Equal to what the man should have been donating over the past few years. And his children, following the ways of the father, refused, saying that this amount of money is too high, it's like you're trying to steal from us. And the Chavra Kadisha said, listen, this is our price, and if you don't like it, take your father somewhere else to get buried. And unwilling to pay, so the children brought the body of their father Back home? So back at home, the family came up with a plan. They, they took their father's face and they buried, they, 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 they put like a thick paste on him and they just threw him over the walls of the cemetery, of the cemetery fence. And in the morning, the Hebra, remember, this is all going on in his dream. The next morning, the Hebra Kadisha finds the body of a dead yid and thinking that, oh, it's probably some guy who passed away in the area with doesn't have any family. They right away to prepare the body to get buried. And after cleaning the face, they recognized that it was none other than the miser. And they immediately put the body on a wagon and sent it right back to the family. Now, right back where they started, the children began once again discussing options. Giving money was out of the question. They would never give money. But as each hour passed, the smell from the dead body got worse and worse. It came stronger and stronger until it became unbearable. 
and realizing that the Hebra Kadisha is not going to change their mind, change his decision, that they were out of options, they decided to bury their father in a non-Jewish cemetery. So in those days, where was the non-Jewish cemetery? In the back of the church. So they go to the Galach, they go to the priest, and they requested his permission. We want to bury our father in a, in a, in a non-Jewish cemetery. And the Galach agreed on two conditions. Number one, that they have to pay 3,000 ruble. Now, although this was a very high amount, it was a lot less money than what the Hever Kadisha was asking. And second, the second condition was that a cross, a Salem, has to be put on the grave like it is on every other Goyesha grave here. He didn't say Goyesha, he said non-Jewish, I'm sure. Um, and the priest said, the Galach says, I must do this in order that no one should accuse me of illegally burying a Jew in the cemetery. And at this point, the man who was dreaming this whole time starts screaming hysterically in his sleep. says, I agree to everything except for the cross. And hearing his screams, his children rush into his room. They try to calm him down. He's having a terrifying nightmare. And right away, once he fully woke up, he says, Take me to Reb Hillel right now. And standing in front of him, the guy who by now already had these uh, thoughts of tshuva, and he shared his change of heart. He said, I'm ready to pay the full amount. Whatever the rub feels, I should pay towards building the mikvah. And from that day on, he was a completely transformed person, generous to anyone who would ask him for assistance. In addition to everything else, Rebillah was recognized as a tremendous Tamil Chacham. While he was the while he was only the Rav in Parish and then Babraisk, there were many Rabbanim from many other cities who would send him Shailas and Halachas. <coughs> in eighteen fifty five it once happened that the Ma'aril, so there's two Ma'arils. There's the Ma'aril that's the brother of the Altarebbe, and there's the son of, and the son of the Tzemach Ma'aril of Kapos. So the Ma'aril had a disagreement with another Yid, and unable to resolve it themselves, they decided, okay, let's just go to Bezdin, and uh, each side will pick a Rav, and the other two Rabbanim will, will choose a third Rav for themselves. This is called the Zablo. Basically where, let's say, you pick Rav A, this guy picks Rav B, and those two Rabbanim get together and they choose a third Rav, and that's the Beisdin. And the Maril sent a letter to Rabhilo requesting that he should represent him as the Rav in this Beisdin. And the Rabhilo said, no, sorry, it's already 31 years that I refuse to be one of the two Rabbanim that someone chooses, meaning I don't mind being the third Rav, but I don't want to choose a side. Um, and Reb Hillel further explained his refusal by mentioning that this, since this was a long-lasting minig of his, it, 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 oh, basically it's considered like a shvua, he's not allowed to break a promise. And that Semach Tzedek himself replied to the pillow giving two very solid reasons why there's no shvua here, you don't have to worry about it. And nevertheless, the pillow reclined. He said he doesn't want it. 
And he said the Torah instructs every Rav to be completely impartial. Impartial means that that you're not like, for instance, imagine your friend is taking uh, someone else to to Basin. Who you, you, obviously you're going to be a little more on your friend's side, right? So really, the Rav shouldn't even be on the case because he's friends with the guy. He says, however, the purpose of choosing a Rav is that he should try to help his client with the case. So he's against this whole thing in the first place. I think today uh, many people would agree that it's not a good system. Anyways, a system of choosing a Basin, that each side chooses one Rav, and then they choose a third Rav. Like, what, the Rav who you choose is going to be on your side. What kind of Rav is that? Like, it's a little bit, you know. Anyways, moving on, we're going to start talking about the davening of Rapillo. I have a bunch of stories about his davening and what he was able to accomplish with his davening. Do one story today and we'll continue tomorrow with the rest of them. So one day, Rapillo announced his desire to travel to the Rebbe for Shabbos. And all the wagon drivers regretfully informed him, there's no way we're making it to Lubavitch by Shabbos. Because um, they're, they're in Babroisk. And the distance to Lubavitch is just too great to arrive before Shabbos. So one young chassid who owned a pair of young, strong horses, he heard about Reb Hillel's problem. And he appro- approaching Reb Hillel, he says, listen, I can get you to Lubavitch before Shabbos. However, you must agree to two things. First, I'm going to have to travel on the paved road that the Tsar made. Now, the, the Tsar basically made like a highway, right? That was a, that was a much nicer road. And Yerbihilo, he, he never used to travel on this road because he doesn't want to give any praise to the evil czar so he avoided he was scared if he went on the road he would say oh isn't it nice of the czar to make this road so he didn't want to do that so he never traveled on the road so that was the first condition and second we're going to have to cover a lot of ground we're gonna have to go very fast many travel many hours every day and i know that the love likes to dive in for many hours at a time but I'm sorry, but you won't be able to do that. When we get up in the morning, you have to dive in quickly so we can make it quick to Lubavitch. So just to give you an example, the pillow would usually finish davening around um, midday, davening in his shiurim, right? Midday means like chatzoy's time, like, like in the middle of the day. No, not, not 4 o'clock, like let's say 12 or 1 o'clock. Now that means a normal, like, uh, let's look at me, right? I'm already at work and it's 9 o'clock, right? So that's, that's what this wagon driver was, was hoping for, that they would be on the road by 8 o'clock in the morning. And he said, if the Rav promises me that he will daven like most people do and, and allows me to go on the paved road, I'll be able to get the job done. And although both of these conditions were very painful to the pillow, he accepted because he had a strong desire to spend Shabbos with the Rebbe. And putting together their belongings and supplies for the trip, they set out immediately. And only after they covered the amount of distance for that day's traveling did the young Chassid pull into an inn. And before going to sleep that night, they, they, he reminded Rebbe Hillel, Remember, you said you're going to daven quickly tomorrow morning. The next morning, they both get up extremely early to daven. After davening, the young Chassid, he goes, eats breakfast. And quickly went to hitch the horses to the wagon. Everything's ready to go. And he goes into the inn to get a pillow. 
And oh boy, was he in for a shock. He was completely unprepared to travel. And he was only at the beginning of Shacharis. And the Rebbe was davening as usual, you know, which even on a regular weekday took a considerable amount of time. And his young chassid goes, oh, I should have known Rebbe would do this. And after waiting patiently for hours, the young man finished that, okay, there's no way we're making it to Lubavitch for Shabbos now. And when Rebbe finally finished his davening, the chassid said, didn't it have agree that he would be like davening like a regular person does? Why didn't he keep his word to daven at a regular pace and not daven by Rechos for a long time? He says, now we won't be able to arrive at Lubavitch for, for Shabbos. And the pillow has a relaxed smile on his face. He says, listen, when a merchant travels to the great fairs in Leipzig, Germany, and other places, why is he going? He's going to buy merchandise at special prices. Why? Because it's only at the fair where you get these good discounts. And then he brings it back to his hometown and he sells it over there. And the young guy goes, okay, new, so. Just now tell me, what happens if while, let's say a, a businessman is on the way to the fair in Leipzig and he meets a dealer who has the exact merchandise he needs for the same price it's going to be sold by the fair. What do you call a merchant who says, I'm sorry, but I need to get it at the fair. So I'm going to be traveling an extra four days there and four days back to get it at the fair. What would you call such a businessman? Foolish, crazy, Meshuggah, right? This is Reb Hillel telling this chassid. It's like, well, obviously any normal person would say, yeah, I'll buy it. Why would I waste time traveling to the fair if you're willing to sell it to me for the same price? says, the same thing is true over here, the pillow says. Why are we traveling to Lubavitch? In order that the Rebbe can give us advice and guidance and help us learn how to daven properly. But now that I'm on the road and in the middle of the journey and, and the davening is going so well, only a fool would say, no, I can't daven here. I must go to Lubavitch. Right? So, so what, what does that mean? I should dive in quickly in order to get to Lubavitch? The whole point of why I'm going to Lubavitch is to dive in like a mensch. There are some people who say, when they say the story, they say that somehow they still manage to make it to Lubavitch that Shabbos. And we will continue the rest of the stories tomorrow.